if I looked at them and said, hey, tell me what your why is, here's what I usually got. I have no idea. It's too big of a question. And in fact, if I tell you what it is, does that mean that it can't change in the future? I lose the optionality of that. <laughs> hey, I got all these things that are missing that I didn't figure out and learn while I was building the business because I'm good at that. But what about all this other stuff? Advisors that are joining these masterminds now, that's what these clients did. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. If you ever wondered what the super wealthy are doing, when I talk about wealthy, I don't mean a million, seven figures. We're talking, I guess, nine figures, 100 million or more. The wealthy individuals, what do they do in life to grow wealth, to be happy? I talk about it, the four pillars, health, wealth, love, and happiness. Well, we got a, a gentleman coming on today that's going to be talking about advising, okay, these people over their lifetime to grow their wealth, to grow their happiness, purpose, and performance. Uh, it's going to be a good one. Let's welcome to the show, Brett Magpiong. I pronounced it right, right? You did pronounce it. Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. So Brett's a gentleman that was an advisor, a wealth advisor, kind of like we're benefit advisor, but he's dealing with 100 million or more individuals, helping them with their as a part-time CFO for them, their financial planning, so on and so forth. And he's got a great book coming out called The Delta Theorem in May. Check it out. Tell us about the book. What's going to be in it? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, the book is uh, it's called The Delta Theorem. And it's, it's, it's interesting because the, what it is all about is it's a math equation, but it's not math. Okay. What the Delta theorem is, is alpha over P cubed by EF squared equals Delta. <laughs> okay, so before your eyes completely roll up inside your head, here's what it means. Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. In the Delta theorem, it represents a person's primary purpose. Their one thing, their reason for being. It sits on top of a foundation of P cubed, which is priorities, principles, and passion. Mm. And in fact, when you're looking at somebody's powerful why, the foundation of it is their priorities, their principles, and their passion. Their why. Yeah, their, their why. We talk about that a lot in sales is the right. why, why it's so important, the emotional driver and what they do. That's right. That's right. So one of the things that working with clients at $100 million or, or anyone, if I looked at them and said, hey, tell me what your why is. Here's what I usually got. I have no idea. It's too big of a question. And in fact, if I tell you what it is, does that mean that it can't change in the future? I lose the optionality of that. And yet, as you just described, John, the value of a powerful why is incredibly strong for anything we're doing, sales, life, you name it. But if I asked you what your priorities are, you could say something like, well, I'm married. I have a business. Uh, I've got kids. I have these kinds of things, life events. 
All these things are our priorities. If I said to you, tell me what you stand for. What's the thing that you, as a principle for you, that's your principles. And if I said to you, tell me what your hair is on fire. What's your passion? That those three things, when pieced together, start to tell you what a person's powerful why is. That's why it's foundational for this. Guiding, guiding principles in life. Recently learned about that with my brain coach, right? Why are people not like me or don't feel the same thing about certain? Well, you're guiding principles, integrity, loyalty, all those different things. And so you've bundled it and wrapped it into one. I, I, we got so, let me interject here. So what, what he just said, guys and gals, consultants, brokers, advisors, don't be literal. Expand your brain. That's right. It's only useful when, you're, when your mind is open. So all those three questions that he just reviewed, you could use to discuss with any business person as it relates to their role in the company. So if you're talking to the owner of the company and you ask them, what sets your hair on fire running this business? And, and the other questions, you now have the ability to have a very interesting conversation, which you will ultimately segue into what you want to talk about. But in the meantime, you're going to create some emotional angst from them by just asking them to talk about their favorite subject themselves. That's right. That's right. So, so, so yeah, so all that stuff is theoretical. I mean... <laughs> So you mean to tell me that a hundred million dollar guy's worth a hundred million? They hire a coach. Uh, yeah, I was a financial <laughs> coach for them. There you I, go. I yeah, we, we teach people here, and we talk about hiring a coach. Yeah, uh, even in beginning levels, but even in later levels, right? You go to other levels. So talk to me about here's gentlemen that are worth a hundred million dollars, right? And you think they figure it out money wise, and yet when you look at all these other things, from as I'm learning now as I progress in my career. Fixing the mental side, the thought side, the physical side, the get more performance physically, working out, what to eat, and to, you know, obviously making money is important as well. But talk to me about all the different sectors that you help them with that maybe, guys, we've got salespeople on here. What other ways other than just prospecting and selling can they utilize mentally, physically to, to op make the performance more optimal to grow their business and be more happier and successful in life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the core of it was this, is that it, it, why this important is that while they came to me with like wealth management, investment, financial, usually I always found that clients were asking questions like this. What's the money doing to my kids? That's a relational wealth issue. Or how come I'm like, not physically well, that's a health wealth, physical wealth, you know, kind of issue, or I don't have time on my hands. And yet I have all this wealth. That's a temporal or a time wealth thing. So it's all of these facets that come into play that I would work with clients. They cared more about those things when I was in meetings with them than they did about the money that we were investing for, you know, eight generations down the road. Certainly we did things, had to do things that were, were moving the needle in terms of their overall financial wealth. And then included things, you know, like setting up the proper structures or estate planning or taxes and that kind of stuff. But it always came down to me dealing with these other areas where they saw real value. And I think that that's really critical 
when you're talking about dealing with any clients is like looking at these things that are outside of just the financial wealth, you know, that they were they were working with. Yeah, I think as you grow your your net worth and more money, you realize there's more things than just the money and the money becomes easy to make. Right. And then you figure out, hey, I got all these things that are missing that I didn't figure out and learn while I was building the business because I'm good at that. But what about all this other stuff? Right. And, you know, it's interesting because you would think if I'm, you know, working more, I'll make more, but you can work less and do all these other things and get more off of more performance to grow your wealth. Right. That's and so right. what are some of these high performers? What are they, you know, we always talk about investing your business and the best investment is yourself outside. You know, obviously as you get more money, you put in other things, but investing in yourself is always typically the best investment. What are some of the things that these ultra high performers, wealthy people are, you know, investing in? Outside, obviously, the smart thing of a coach, but mentally, physically. Yeah. So um, here's here's one thing that I would work with them on. And, and it was an investment that they would do. I'd say to them, look, what you're talking about here is you want to have a wholehearted nature, not half-hearted, wholehearted. And if we look at that, there are six core competencies. Think of a, a Rubik's cube, six sides to it. Those six sides... Uh, have different colors, nine different tiles, what have you. I talk to them about, hey, listen, on the physical side of stuff, that's a, a competency that could be one of the facets of, 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 the, of a Ruby's cube. Then there's the mental side of things. There's the emotional side of things. There's intuitional or their gut sense of things. There's just a natural thing, being outdoors or your personality. And then there's a spiritual side of things. All of those things are like a Rubik's Cube. And what I talk with them about is let's invest in, personally invest, not dollars per se, but let's invest in activities that actually worked that Rubik's Cube such that all of those facets are working together, right? We always think about like solving for one side. So, so one of our clients could be like a physical specimen because they had the money to be a physical specimen, but a mental they were emotionally erect with their family. So what we do is, is that I would work with them in coaching with them on putting together things that they might do to train up each one of those areas. So a physical event that could be a very challenging physical event for them that eventually the emotional comes out. They're pissed off. This is hard. They get emotionally or they mentally are like working on, on things or their gut instinct. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, um, you know, challenging physical event to push myself as hard as I can to better myself, to have this full wholehearted nature of things and invest in these things so that they would work all that together in a wholehearted way. A lot of times like life does not work that we all solve all each one of these sides nicely. They all mix together. If I'm doing something physically, I'm mentally challenged. I'm, I'm emotionally, I'm spiritually challenged inside of it. So the work that I would do with clients and to differentiate in a marketplace where, let's face it, investment management is just a, it's a commodity these days. And for that level of wealth, working with them around their full capacities was where, you know, we would add value or I'd add value in there. And that's what the Delta theorem is about too. So you, 
Yeah. So you're, you're telling me that at this higher level, these people have more problems than the regular people. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> so the story of mo, mo, mo money, mo problems exists, doesn't it? So, yeah, you know, people, people on the outside go, geez, you're complaining. You got all, you know, this money. These are good problems to have. But at the same time, you don't know the utter amount of problems and things that happen on a daily basis now have that you have because of obviously the money and all the moving parts. Right. And so does it drive them, you know, because I always look at it and maybe you can help me define it because you've worked with the super wealthy is, is how do they define the, the money and the stress level, right? When is enough? Is it worth it? I've always said, let me stay lean and mean, be profitable, but I don't need the extra stress for the extra money. Maybe it's not worth it to me. And I go back and forth with it. How do they deal with that what type of mindset is that because that's got to be something that's so challenging to 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 decide on it's it's i i wish i could tell you there was just a straight formula on that there isn't like you know as soon as i thought that i could say to somebody what's most important to you is you know um having your kids grow up you know really well and don't worry about all the money and and that kind of stuff what ended up you know happening is is that they felt like their scorecard was earning more money Right. I mean, it wasn't like like they thought that they only had enough or that they were scared they didn't have enough. It was more like because they had been so successful in earning money, that was somewhat of a report card. In other cases, you know, I had a client who inherited, you know, uh, from multi generations, just more money than multi generations would have. And when I sat down with her and said, hey, listen, tell me, what is your risk tolerance? Like we all do with anyone that's doing stuff. Here's what her response was. If I lose this money, it'll be like stepping on my grandfather's grave. Because her grandfather had spent so much of his energy earning this. And I would have never expected that that's what her risk tolerance was. But it was so informative and so different than somebody else who had earned the money and their risk tolerance was, I earned it. I don't want to lose it. So make it completely safe because I took the risk, you know, somewhere else. Just it, you can't really gauge on that stuff. There's this nascent, you know, um, industry called family office. I worked in a number of family offices. This is just, you know, a one family that's got a ton of money, a lot of toys and that kind of stuff. And I was on staff, on call for them all the time. And the, 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 the response in the industry, if you've seen one family office, you've seen one family office. There is no like same one because one person's, you know, interest level around one thing, another family will have something completely different. So I wish I could tell you, it's like, Hey, this is just the formula. It don't work that way. With these we got Bobby Axelrod on here from the show billions. If you guys haven't watched it, check it out. He's coming back. Okay. Yeah. I could, I could only imagine it's watchable the- then. Yeah, I could only imagine um, the mindsets and, and the personalities that you have to deal with. But I agree with that person said stepping on the grave because I think like some not all people are risk takers. The ones that make it usually are the ones that go, let's put it on black. I believe in myself. I can do this. Yeah, let's let's do it. And uh, unfortunately, like night, what is it? Ninety percent of businesses fail by the third generation. So uh, hanging tight sometimes, I guess, maybe especially with that kind of money makes sense. Yeah, I think there's a parable the in the Bible about that. Yeah, they say the first generation makes the money, second generation spends it, and the third generation loses it. Something like that, right? I mean, 
And I wouldn't say that that's the case. That's why they hired us. I, you know, I was working with third generation. I'm like, can't lose this money. Right. <laughs> so you, you'd mentioned earlier a show talking about relational growing wealth through uh, the relational side. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, what I'm talking about relational is, is relationship between people, right? So the relational wealth that was going on there was, uh, you know, relationship with their kids. I had one client giant. I mean, a giant, truly a giant of industry larger than life. You know, I'd go into the, the boardroom and all of the people that are sitting around, you, there was this palpable feeling like, boy, if I don't speak up, Maybe I won't get invited next time. Terrible, right? Like, no, you speak up if you have something to say, not because you feel like, you know, that this giant is going to not invite you back. And by the way, he wasn't that way, but that was the intimidation factor. I sat down with him. He had a young son. And I said to him, why don't you bring your son into the conference room when you're running a meeting and let him just sit there and learn from you and just watch because if I'm intimidated, can you imagine what his son felt like? Really challenging. And so that's what he did. Brought his son in when he was re- really young. Let him just sit there and watch his dad kind of just do his thing. And it was, you know, that's the relational wealth that was built. His wealth gave him the ability to be at the head of the table and to have the respect because he earned it. But if he didn't turn around and raise up his son to be able to learn from his dad, then, you know, that relational wealth would have been squandered. That's what I'm talking about. Relational wealth. I like it. Um, talking about these gentlemen or women could be women as well. What are they joining? You know, we talk about joining masterminds, going to events, listening to podcasts. What are they doing things like that where they're investing in themselves to get them to the next level? You talk about the son being lucky enough to be in with his father, which is great. Yeah, just let him sit there and listen. Like that's how I train our people is just let them listen. Let let them listen from somebody that's done it and is good and you'll eventually pick it up. But what are they doing where for themselves to learn? Because what rooms are they trying to get into to get to that next level? Look, they they did the exact same things that your 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 advisors are doing. Because they were early on in their career, too, at some point in time. They joined the YPO organizations or they joined, you know, the the masterminds and that kind of stuff. They don't now. They're more like, in a sense, they had been like giving back. You know, they were the, they were running companies or, or what have you. So a little bit different. People were seeking them out at this stage than they were necessarily needing to seek it out. But at the same time, look, I mean, you know, I had clients that were, that were, you know, politically big donors, you know, big, big donors. And, and there was just kind of a club, not just politically, but charitably as well, where there was a little bit of a scratcher back. And, you know, if I give to this organization, then, you know, I'll pull the favor and you'll give to this organization. We're talking big money, right? That's so they were able to raise money and, and, and that kind of stuff based on, you know, just the relationships from that standpoint. But I look at, I'd say that, that advisors that are joining these masterminds now, that's what these clients did back when they were, they were trying to grow themselves and, you know, they just stuck with it. And many of them, you know, ended up being CEOs of companies that, you know, work their way up. Are these, I think you get to a level, obviously that where you want to help, you want to give back and 
uh, some people still remain competitive and want to get, you know, from a hundred million to a billion. Uh, but uh, I can only imagine what that looks like. What, uh, Craig, go ahead. I know you said you had a question before. Well, you know, everybody has different appetites. That's what you're referring to, John. I mean, some people are happy with their $300,000 revenue business and others want a 3 million. And, and, you know, it's the nature of our business that you have a lot of people managing a lifestyle within the industry as opposed to say building a business. So it really depends on where they're at in their life and their career. So for those who are managing lifestyles, you know, for a lot of those people, they are trying to work on their relationships, maybe with their spouse or their significant other or their children. Uh, maybe they're actually trying to learn how to take a vacation. Uh, can you speak to the, um, it's very difficult for a lot of the brokers out there to believe that they're not so important that they can't take a vacation and recharge their batteries. They're under this illusion that somehow their clients expect them to be available every day, no matter what time. And, and, and then worse, they believe that they have to be the ones that respond. You know, these people who became ultra high net worth individuals didn't have giant thumbs. They didn't do it all themselves. They, they learned that, you know, people need you to be fresh. They need you to be recharged. What kind of things do, uh, did the people that you had to deal with in that high net worth marketplace do to escape? Yeah. Um, look, they, they had the capital to be able to escape. Right. So, um, I think it's a little bit different at that level. They did not, the, the escape component of stuff was almost like built into the lifestyle at that point in time. But I think that what you're talking about is something I'll speak in my own life, right? I was an advisor. I was not, you know, I got to ride on the Boeing business jet, but only because I was an advisor to somebody. I then would go home to, you know, my humble home and what have you and, and, and lived, you know, my trying to move ahead in that kind of thing. Here's what I found is that when I talked about the core competencies and the facets, and I said, physical side of stuff, you know, many people think that the physical side of stuff is potentially, you know, working out or how you feel from that standpoint. Look at it. It's not, it's fueling. It's rest. It's hydration. I mean, I would go into the office and if I had a bad night's rest, I wasn't very effective. Or if I didn't eat well, I was not effective. Or if I didn't give myself the rest of just getting away from it all. You know, I mean, one of my principles, as I talked about, is get away from it all. I have to in order to refuel, to be able to be as effective for my clients when they needed to. And, you know, my clients had high expectations. They, they, you know, they didn't, and I would have multiple clients. They didn't care that I had another client. They were like, with my wealth, like I'm the only one. And so I had to be, you know, on my game all the time. And the way that that was is, look, I did work out and I do work out, but I also slept and rested and took vacation and showed up my best person physically because then I showed up my best person mentally, emotionally, spiritually, um, instinctually, and uh, what have you. And, and the result was financially, everything worked out. And, and, and the result was, is that 
frankly, I retired, you know, a, a year ago from a great career because I wanted to move to this next phase for me, which was writing and giving back. Right. I mean, you know, I don't have the Boeing business jet, you know, retirement. I, I don't. I made a great living and worked very hard for that particular thing. But now I'm moving on to like, hey, what can I do to coach other people up on how to be their best self? What fulfills your life? Guys, right. your opportunity to ask That's any right. questions. If you want to go ahead and put them in the chat. So, you know, what's funny is we could talk to you for two hours here, I think, because you could talk about the high net worth individuals, but you're a guy that's been 35 years in the business of wealth manager. Um, and we're, we're on the call with sales guys and they're, they're chasing these business owners that are high ticket wealth guys, typically in the larger corporations. Tell me what was your secret? Cause you, I, Craig, I guess he would know a thing about marketing and selling to market and get in front of and sell $100 million clients. What was your secret? Yeah. Um, loaded, loaded question, but I'm sure you got some. Yeah. You know, look, it, it was pretty simple. I mean, I, I operated on three things and still do. Show up, engage, and do the work. Show up, engage, and do the work. I showed up. When, when my clients were there or even people that worked for me, I would show up for them and I would be there. And so just something that simple. I mean, you know, I, I, in, in, in some other occupations, like people just don't even show up anymore physically. I'm talking about like you show up with all of you. That's what I did. But then I would engage. I, I would engage inside of the relationship. I'd listen. You know, if I'm if I'm working on a computer or something like that and a, and, a, and, a, and a colleague would walk in and they ask me a question and I'm like not engaged with them, it impacted. Of course, with clients, I'm going to engage all the time because it was like that's what they wanted to you know see and they expected. So it was easier from that perspective. But with my colleagues, especially a, a subordinate, it could be very easy to just like not engage with them and, you know, that kind of stuff and then do the work. Like you got to do the work. You got to put it in. And it's just, it's hard work sometimes. And, but you know, what is it that they say that luck is where opportunity and preparation meet? Absolutely. That's what it was. Preparation and, and opportunity met. And frankly, you know, I got lucky at times. People ask me like, Oh, did you go to school to be you know, in the family office? <laughs> no. Yeah, that was, that was, that, was non, that was from non-salespeople or people that went to college asked that question, right? <laughs> you go, you learn this in school, how to prospect and talk to $100 million people? Yeah, no. Right. Bad chance. It's funny. You talk about listening, engaging. So there's a there's a coffee shop across the street that I go and get breakfast every day. And it's constant turnover. And I specifically tell them, give me the, you know, eggsy style, omelet style, put this in, coffee to go. And they ask. Is it to, I already know the questions you're going to ask and they ask it over and over. They're not even paid. They can't, the ca people at the cash register, the younger people, they're distract, so distracted mentally from social media and whatever. They can't even listen to me and take a 15 second order. So I, I, I like that you said that listening engagement because it is getting more and more difficult. I've changed over my phone with my brain coach talking about change your phone to black and white mode, right? Put limits on each different app. It's less sexy 
because it's not colors anymore. Our, our attention spans are so low. So if you're going to the meetings and not listening, most advisors, they just want to blurt out their solutions and can't wait to get to the solution and say, I know how to fix your problem. Let me, let me yeah. throw up on you. Yeah. Um, and I can only imagine these high net worth individuals and sales people, everybody's favorite subject to themselves. So yeah. listening to them, taking yeah. the time to be a master listener, listening to themselves, asking the right questions and not speaking can get you so much further, I think, in today's world with a lot of people. Just try. I know. And again, it's difficult, right? I'm reading again for how many times how to win friends and influence people book. But if you can just shut up and listen and just kind of play a game, right? You're playing a game to listen and engage with that person. Boy, you'll get a lot further with them than uh, the normal person. Needs I think to. you said it all at the beginning. Yeah. The perception is that a money advisor is a commodity. Right. There, there was it's very difficult to say that my alpha is better than some other guy's alpha. That's right. And so you created ways to engage with them in a way that they found meaning in. And it doesn't always have to do with their investments, it had to do with their children and their family and their maybe their uh, religious or their donations and, you know, just philosophical conversations about other things. And so in the same vein, the healthcare brokers out there need to recognize that from the perception of every single prospect, they're a commodity. So don't show up and reinforce it. <laughs> Try to be different. Did you have any special opening or open talk that you're, that you were using or engaging with these, you know, C-suite ultra wealthy executives that, that worked? I know it's off of the book here, but I'm just trying to take yeah. everything out. Cause I'm thinking of what, yeah, not, you know, at that, at that high level, um, no, it, it really was not that because they've heard it all. Honestly, yeah. they, they would hear it all. Um, I, I think that, that what, what, what does help at that high level is a brand, a good brand is important. You know, I started my career at Pricewaterhouse before it was PricewaterhouseCoopers. It mattered and it mattered a lot. And then that, that basically inured to me. And I became a Pricewaterhouse advisor and that helped a lot. My last firm I was at was one of the largest, um, you know, national independent registered investment advisors. It mattered. It mattered a lot from that standpoint. Um, I, I want to go back to something else, though, that I think is kind of interesting because, you know, uh, what was more, what was kind of interesting for me was the people who were advisors who were younger and would be on my team. And what I would tell them is, is don't be intimidated by the wealth of the client. You are serving them. Do a good job and they will notice you. Don't feel like, uh, you know, you haven't, you haven't earned the right to be, or you'll never have the right to be heard because you're too young or that kind of stuff. Well, earn it, right? Like, if you get an opportunity to get in front of them, seize that opportunity with confidence to be able to, to do it. The other thing I'd say is, listen, I don't know it all, but I've been through a lot. Learn from me. Like, learn from me. And if you got some questions on stuff, why? how did you do that? Why did you do that? And a lot of it was just experience. You know, one of the things that, like, for instance, was a big one was never underestimate the spouse. <laughs> 
Okay. We, we know who makes the decisions. Yeah, in the, it never, in the and, world. And I, you know, it could be, it could be, you know, it didn't matter gender wise, never underestimate the spouse because what happens was often the person who made the money would be, you know, making the money in the business and then they go home and they wanted to make sure that their spouse felt just as equal as them in the home. And if the advisor was only looking at, if I was only looking at the one who made the money, because that's where like, you know, I'm thinking the respect, big, big mistake, big, big Isn't mistake. that funny? The biggest bosses are never the boss at home. It's, <laughs> it's, comical. it's, it's so comical. I got to go home and talk to the boss, you know, who's the real boss in this, uh, this decision here. Right. Right. It, it's amazing. It never surprises me. I, I hear it all the time when I talk about, you know, the bosses are wealthy people, even if it's a girlfriend. Yeah. Um, it's, it's wild. Never. Sorry. I got, yeah. dis got disconnected out there. I only have the top internet here, but it still seems to cut out on me here and there. Um, what are, would you say you, you, from a mental standpoint, I know we didn't cover that and we'll, we'll wrap up here shortly. Let's talk from a mental. I'm bigger on, you know, hired a brain coach, utilizing her on things that come up, right? Today I said, I wake up and I have a lot of problems. I'm going to deal with a lot of problems. A lot of fires are going to come at, come at me today. And I got to learn how to go just to wake up and go, you know, I expect them, right? They're going to come. So how do you train your mind to know that they're going to come and remain emotionally stable in the business world? Because when you're dealing with hundred million dollar net worth, I can only imagine the number and how big the problems are that are going to come up. What are these guys doing? Are they doing any mental training from a mental standpoint or anything? I, you know, look, I, I wouldn't say that I could tell you that they did particular mental, you know, training and that kind of, that, that kind of thing specifically, they're mentally tough. I mean, that was my experience. They, they were definitely dialed in and mentally tough. I'll, I'll just apply what I did for myself in dealing with them, right? Because just we're all human. I I utilize something called WIRM, W-I-R-M, WIRM. And it stands for this. Witness, interdict, redirect, and maintain. Here's what it means. Witness, your body usually tells you something. Client says something. Back of my hair on my neck is like, oh. I witness that my body is saying something. And then usually what it's saying is this little voice that says, that client always does that. They always do that. And I have to say to myself, stop. Because if I believe that, then I'm going to make that client feel like they're not special. I'm going to go down this, this path of like, I need to interdict the thought that comes to my mind. It might feel true. But I need to interdict it. So witness, interdict, redirect. No, they don't always say that. And by the way, that doesn't characterize them. And what am I here for? What's my purpose? What am I trying to do here? So I redirect that thought and then I maintain it. Like, okay, just stick with it. Because what happens is the client says it again. <laughs> Back of the neck kind of comes up. Got to witness it. Interdict, redirect, maintain. Creates mental toughness so that I can just stay present in the moment and be able to give the best advice for that client, even when they are going kind of like crazy. Look, finances create a lot of emotional stress. <laughs> you know, if, 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 
if you think, or if we think that clients that have that kind of wealth don't care because they can still have wealth for eight generations, they do care when their portfolio goes down because the dollars, the absolute dollars, when it goes down, they're big. So they do care and there's emotions that come into it. So I needed to train myself up to be equal with them. And then it inured to them. I was able to calm them down because I was calm because I was able to go through this worm kind of tactic inside my own mental tough. That's great. Um, we have a, we have a, an annual uh, function as part of the process of consulting with businesses and it's called the annual renewal process. And you want to see stressed out people. And uh, you just made a very important point to me is you see your clients will reflect you. Mm -hmm. So if you're freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional, by the way, that spells fine. I'm fine. That's what most, that's what a lot of you guys are doing, right? So you come up, you're hemming, you're hawing, you know, the insurance company and the bad guy and we've done everything we can. And the clients, mirror you. So if you're going to coach them up on how to deal with it, you need to be a little different. You need to learn different coping strategies. You need to learn different techniques. It ain't going to come to you, you know, at night in your sleep. So that's why you need to expose yourself to new ideas, read, watch videos, listen to our show, whatever that is, but expose yourself to different ways to cope so that you can be a better advisor to your clients. I, what I hear, I, I love that uh, what you, what you just gave because you know sometimes I have to my, tell myself people are so predictable. Why are you surprised? You knew that they were going to say this. Mm -hmm. They do this every time. I have people in my life or business that make things hard, try to cut you down, and it's like it's so predictable. Why do you expect anything else? But it's just training your mind and how to react to it over and over and over. But yeah, that that calmness. Craig talks about that. Craig has somebody in his life that bring that's always at a 10 and he's taught me I'm going to be a two and bring him down to a six by me being a two, you know, and, and controlling those emotions, which, you know, in life you learn as Craig said, Hey, I was crazier. I was more wild than you when I was your age. And, and he's as calm as a cucumber with pure control. So those that are listening that may have some issues with that, you can do it and, and bring your clients down. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll wrap it there, but, uh, final thoughts, pick up the book in May, the Delta theorem. What are your final thoughts here? Uh, for everybody listening. Look, Delta is a Greek letter for change and making an impact, make an impact, make an impact with your clients, make an impact in your own life. I mean, this framework that I laid out there, and I hope you will, it's May 23rd on Amazon. That's when it becomes available. You know, it's about at the end of the day, putting yourself in the best position to make a difference. And frankly, that the subtitle says an innovative framework for coming fully alive and truly wealthy, because I believe that when we become fully alive is when the true wealth that we've just been talking about, the financial, the physical, the mental the emotional, the spiritual, and the temporal, that's when it really starts to happen. So encourage all your brokers to, you know, kind of do that. And, you know, it, it, it comes together from there. I couldn't agree more. You got the name of the book, everything in the in the, uh, the chat line here. 
We're going to put an email. I'm assuming you can probably pre-order, schedule a pre-order on Amazon. So we'll get that out in the uh, the email next yeah, week when we release the seller. episode. Yeah, great, great stuff here, Brett. I really enjoyed it. We'll probably have to come have you back on after I read some of the book and dig in even deeper because we probably, we can talk to you for a week here on here. We got, we got tons of stuff to work on. I know you got the knowledge. We're going to pull it out, but we appreciate you joining us and uh, those listening. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Same place, same time. Heads up advisor every week, Thursday, 7 PM Eastern, 5 PM Pacific, 4 PM Pacific. See you next time. <laughs>